another episode of the Beulah Girl podcast. For links, related resources, and even more encouragement, visit BeulahGirl.com. Hi, friend. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Beulah Girl podcast. I'm Carol Whitaker, your host. I'm so glad that you've joined me today for this episode. Last week, I concluded a series that we've been working through for uh, sort of leading up to the Christmas season, and then I did one further episode, and the series was what happens when we believe God's words are true. And I just looked at different individuals and a message that came to them from God and their reaction to it and what we can learn. And I really love that series. And I'm even thinking at some point that I may return back to that series because I've got another individual in my, you know, my mind that I'm kind of thinking I could do. But if you did not tune in last week, I encourage you to do so. I focused on Balaam and what we can learn about double-mindedness and in his story Balaam does obey God and what God tells him in some instances but he also is attempting to follow the desires of his heart and so he's constantly in contradiction and I just talked about how double-mindedness like Balaam displays can lead to inconsistency so I encourage you to check that out and the previous episodes Tonight, we are going to be focusing on the suffering that comes from doing God's will. And I'm going to be focusing on actually an article I wrote last year during a series on suffering. And I, it kind of came to mind again this week and I wanted to do it. And I also have been wanting to re-record the podcast for it from season one because the sound quality was so completely terrible on that particular episode, but I'm going to be adding in a few extras and it's a message that was so pertinent to me then and still is so pertinent to me now. I can read the article I wrote and it really speaks to me as, as it was a message I recorded that was one that God gave me in reaction to a situation I went through. So I want to just begin by telling you a little bit about doing this, um, about what kind of was happening at the time that I wrote the original article and read to you the scripture that I'll be focusing on. First Peter 4.19 says this, So then those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. The situation that I was in at the time that I was inspired to write the article on this Bible verse that kind of details, I think the lessons that I learned going through this was that I had felt, had been feeling for some time that I needed to follow up with a person um, by having a conversation with them. And I had already had a conversation with them previously at God's direction, but had been feeling that another one needed to happen. And there had been an opportunity that I'd sort of missed where I could have had the opportunity, but I was very hesitant because I really just in my own flesh was resisting against having this conversation because I didn't really think that it was going to go anywhere. It was a little awkward for me and I didn't really want to do it. And I just kept on feeling like, okay, I missed that step. I needed to, to, to have that conversation. So I did at God's direction I just said, you know, decided, okay, well, if God wants me to do it, I need to do it no matter where it goes. I need to not worry about the consequences. Um, and I just need to do it. So I did. And 
pretty much the reaction I had from the other person was what I expected. It was pretty disappointing. It wasn't that the person was angry or that the person lashed out or I was persecuted anyway. It wasn't that at all. It just wasn't this amazing reaction. It wasn't, didn't really seem like it went anywhere, honestly. It just seemed like completely pointless that I had done what God asked. I had no idea why that conversation even had to take place. What was the point of it? And honestly, I had invested some previous energy on, again, being in contact with this person. And again, there had been some emails exchanged. There had been some effort on my part, honestly, and I just felt like it was a complete waste of time. And so after the conversation, which, you know, again, was a little bit stressful, a little bit awkward, the rest of the day, I I was, I'll just be honest with you in my reaction human reaction was just, I was furious. I was mad at God. I did not really understand. And I know we're not, I know the Christian answers we're not supposed to understand. I know that, but it was just my human in my humanness. I wanted to know why I wanted to know, why did you make me do that? God, am I ever going to see a, a result from this? What was the point of that? And I was mad that I had to invest energy in something that just seemed like it went absolutely nowhere. And so I was kind of in my head, you know, going through some of these negative thoughts. And I told him, you know, told him in no uncertain terms, kind of the night before. And in in the next day during my quiet time, I I told God I wasn't particularly pleased um, with, you know, with what had happened. Um, And I, you know, I, I just felt like sometimes that I I just felt that God was being a little bit cruel. And I felt like if God was going to ask me to do something for him, that it should end in good. And again, I know this is not a biblical perspective, but this is my humanness speaking. Um, I felt like the situation should end with something happy. Um, uh, all the pieces tied up, it should lead to, you know, something happy in, you know, a happy ending. Um, you know, we, we can all get excited about the act of obedience that leads to us getting a raise or an award or recognition or the leading of someone to Christ, the healing, the miracle, someone, you know, just falling before us and saying, Oh my goodness, thank you so much for stepping out. That means so much to me. And sometimes those things happen. But what about the hard action that leads to persecution, the argument, the confusing events that don't add up? What what are we supposed to think then? In those scenarios, like the one I just described, we can feel like God is being unfair to us. And we may be mad that he has led us to a place where we are encountering hardship that we would not be encountering if we hadn't listened to him. And we would not be the first to really feel this way. As I described in my situation, I'm not the first one to have ever questioned God's ways or found them very confusing. In the book of Job, Job becomes fed up with a hardship that has come in his life. And he essentially tells God as much, accusing God of cruelty and persecution. And you can look that up in um, Job 30, 21, but I'm reading from the ESV here, but Job basically says to God, you have turned cruel to me with the might of your hand. You persecute me. And that's Job 30, 21. 
obviously Job was going through a whole lot more than the situation I described. Um, if you know anything about Job, he lost basically everything in a day, his children, his estate. And so he did struggle with very intense emotions. However, we know from reading the rest of the book of Job that God was not being malicious. He wasn't being cruel, that God allowed the affliction in Job's life, but it wasn't to play a cruel game. He had a purpose and it was Satan, not God, who was the responsible party for the trouble that came into Job's life. And I love this article that John Bloom um, writes on desiringgod.org. But he just writes an article on the topic of Job and suffering and focuses on this, this similar idea. And he, you know, focuses on kind of this idea, but he basically points out that God did permit Satan's actions, um, but he did so to prove Satan wrong and provide encouragement to many other sufferers who would come after Job. And that was something that Job just really couldn't see, but I want to just read to you from this article and I provided the link so you can read the whole thing. It's really good. But this is what John Bloom says about Job's suffering. He says, can you identify with Job? You cry out to God in your affliction and nothing seems to change. It's like God is just standing there watching you writhe. It feels cruel. But this is not in fact, what's really happening. That wasn't really the case for Job, and it's not really the case for us. What's true is that God is doing far more in our affliction than we know at the time. For Job, he didn't know that he was putting Satan to shame by trusting in God despite his desolate confusion. He didn't know that his experience would encourage millions for millennia. He just knew this pain felt unbearable at times, and it didn't seem like God was doing anything to help. And like Job, we don't know what mind-blowing designs God has in store for what may feel unbearable and appear cruel today. But we do know this. God was answering Job when it seemed he wasn't. And God was remembering David when David cried, Will you forget me forever? Psalm 13, 1. And when Jesus cried, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Matthew 27, 46. God had turned his face away from our sin, only to raise his son from the dead to undying, unsurpassed, and eternal glory. These texts and Job's prayers... Prayer and many others in the Bible help us remember that sometimes it feels like God's being cruel when he's really not. They remind us that we can't trust what it feels like God is doing. We can only trust what God says he is doing. We all know from a thousand experiences that our feelings are unreliable reporters. So he just talks about this idea that when we feel that God is being cruel to us because he has allowed or led us into undesirable circumstances, we see that God is more than capable of running the universe. And often our accusations of him are made because we don't understand things from his perspective. We can't always see what's going on in the spiritual realm. We can't see what's going on in people's minds or lives. You know, sometimes when we speak to somebody, it may be they tell another person the story and it may be for that person or it may be, you know, for, for that person, just it's a seed that later down the road, another seed is added and it comes to, um, to fruition. We just don't know, but God sees things that we really can't see. And we have to trust his goodness, despite what our feelings tell us. And that for me, I know, and for you perhaps listening, that can be a real hangup is it doesn't feel like he's being good or it doesn't feel like he has our best interest in mind. And so we get, we get angry. After listening to God's argument, Job repents of his original position and acknowledges God is sovereign and worthy of praise, no matter the events in his life. And if you know, just from reading the book of Job, that Job 
his fortunes are restored. He does indeed, you know, get out of the rut he's in and God blesses him more in the second half of his life than in the first. So it doesn't end in in the sadness that he's in, in, in the verse in Job 30 that I just read. However, when we're in those situations, I think like Job, we do want to just rail at God. And I want to just share with you in my own situation, when I was not too happy with God about what had happened with this conversation in a friend with a friend, I came across in my quiet time, the verse that I read at the beginning of the podcast, which was first Peter four nineteen. So I was basically letting God have it. I told him very honestly that I wasn't happy that he had had me step out. And it wasn't really just that situation. It just seemed like there had been a lot of those situations where I was trying to step out. I was trying to do as well I was, and then it just didn't end well. And I'm thinking, why am I wasting my time? Right? Why am I doing this? And so as I was telling him my thoughts on this, I came across this scripture the very next morning, and it was 1 Peter 4.19. Let me read it again. So then those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. It was in that moment, if you've been you know, walking with God for some time, you know that God has a way. If you have that intimate relationship with him, you know God has a way of just silencing your argument, doesn't he? I mean, it was one moment where I just sat there and I knew what he was saying to me. He was, he was just saying, Carol, you know, you have to accept my sovereignty in this situation, my wisdom, and you have to accept that you're not going to necessarily know as my podcast mic falls over. Uh, You're not going to necessarily know what the outcome of your obedience is, but you still have to trust me and do it. And so as I was meditating on this scripture, thinking about what it meant, I want to just point out a few kind of ideas that I, I drew from it. So number one that I want to pull out is we will suffer for doing his will. If we look at other translations of this verse, the wording is actually arranged to say a little more bluntly. For instance, I want to read to you the New Century version. It says, so those who suffer as God wants should trust their souls to the faithful creator as they continue to do what's right. New Life version says, so if God wants you to suffer, give yourself to him. He will do what is right for you. He made you and he is faithful. Now, I did not include this in the original article, but you get a couple extra freebies when you listen to the podcast. Another version, the contemporary English version says this, if you suffer for obeying God, you must have complete faith in your faithful creator and keep on doing what's right. So no matter what translation you look at, the passage highlights the idea that God's will and suffering are not mutually exclusive. Sometimes God's will leads straight into suffering and it's difficult to understand in the moment because we don't always know all the whys but suffering for doing god's will is actually something we should rejoice over first peter if you look at other sections of first peter you notice that peter emphasizes that we will suffer for doing god's will and that is something to rejoice over this isn't suffering that comes because we've done something wrong or because we are in error in a situation 
This is suffering that comes from doing the right thing, from being obedient, and comes from doing God's will. The second point I want to bring out from this Bible verse is, despite what happens, we need to commit ourselves to him. So the other idea that really stands out to me when I read this verse is just this idea of not only is it God who will lead us straight to suffering at times, but it emphasizes in this verse what we need to do even when it appears that our obedience is not paying off. We need to commit ourselves to our faithful creator. I love what um, the contemporary English version says. It says we must have complete faith in our faithful creator. And again, I think that's where often our faith wavers is that we have a difficulty trusting God when he leads us in a way we can't understand or there's pain involved. We say, whoa, God, are you sure I can trust you here? And the verse is saying, yeah, we can still trust God even when we are led into situations that are painful or confusing. But our temptation is just to get angry and tell God, you know what, I'm going to make decisions from here on out because I don't want to feel any more pain. I don't, I'm going to take it from here because where you're leading me is not desirable at all. And this is where trust comes in. We have to believe he loves us. We have to believe his way is perfect, that he knows all things. And we have to believe he is worthy of our trust. So the passage here assures us that he is all of those things. He is trustworthy. And Peter uses the word faithful to describe him in the NIV, which I read to you. Um, it Basically, Peter says, you know, describes God as our faithful creator. And we see that also in, you know, some of the other versions that I read as well. But just the idea that he's faithful. He is faithful not just when events are favorable, but even in the midst of suffering. And then the third point I want to bring out from this passage that is really, I think, one that pop, popped out at me was just even when we suffer, we need to continue to do good. So I've brought up the idea that God sometimes is the one leading us straight into the suffering. Number two, that we should still commit ourselves to him even when we suffer. And then lastly, we need to continue to do good even when it doesn't make sense. The way is hard and we want to give up because quite honestly, our reaction when we face circumstances that we don't understand or hurt, we, we want to run the opposite direction. And this verse tells us we need to continue to do right. We need to continue to do good. And that sometimes is the hardest thing to continue when you don't have the results you want. You don't know why. And you, you just aren't able to see the full picture. So we do have a God who knows what he is doing. And even when we can't see what he's doing and the way is really unclear, we need to trust that he knows what's right. My former pastor used to say, when you can't see his hand, trust his heart. In other words, when we have no idea why circumstances are going the way that they are or why God has allowed what he has in our life, we can still trust that God is good and his way is flawless. You know, when I survey my life and look at situations in hindsight, I can see God is faithful. There have been situations where he's allowed me to see 
results in those situations. At the time they were confusing, at the time it didn't make sense, at the time it felt like I was in the middle of a black storm, and I was, and then there was a point where the clouds cleared and I saw, okay, I see why I went through that. We don't get that opportunity in every circumstance. There will be times we cannot see with our own eyes why the whys. We don't know why we do everything, but there are times that God does allow us to see, and we can all point to, if we've been walking with, with Jesus for any amount of time, we can all point to places where God has shown up for us and he has been faithful. And so that's what we trust and put our hope in is the assurances that tell us in the Bible of his faithfulness, even when it doesn't feel like it. And I just want to end with a few lines from one of my favorite worship songs, Do It Again by Elevation Worship. And I just want to read to you a few lyrics. Walking around these walls, I thought by now they'd fall, but you have never failed me yet. Waiting for change to come, knowing the battle's won, for you have never failed me yet. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. Faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence. You've never failed me yet. I've seen you move. You move the mountains, and I believe I'll see you do it again. You made a way where there was no way, and I believe I'll see you do it again. I haven't read the entire, you know, like all the the lyrics there. I kind of skipped around, but there's just this idea of if we're in a situation where we can't see it yet, the walls haven't fallen down, the results haven't been there. We just can't see. We keep moving on. We keep committing ourselves. We keep showing up and leaning in, even when it just seems unfair and hard to understand. We have to trust even when his will leads to hardship rather than good. I want to just close by reading two Bible verses for you. Proverbs 69 says, In their hearts humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. Galatians 6, 9, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Let me just pray for you. Dear Lord, sometimes your will leads us straight into situations that we would not wish for ourselves. They may make us uncomfortable They may make us feel awkward. They may make us feel like you've abandoned us. And yet we know from your word that you do not abandon us, that you are with us. And that if you lead us in a way, even if it looks and feels completely undesirable, that Lord, we can trust it because we can trust you. And even if it leads to pain, that Lord, it's going to bring good in our lives or good in, in another person's lives, that you have a plan that it's going to work out even if we can't see all the details right up front that there's a reason and a purpose and we have to trust that even if it doesn't feel like a situation we want to be in or feel like you care about us or feel like you have our best interest in mind we have to believe that you do lord help those listening who are struggling to see what you're doing who are maybe in the middle of a storm who are maybe in the midst of confusing circumstances that came about because they obeyed you or Maybe they're just struggling with disappointment because they thought it would look different. They thought that in following you or the way you were pointing that it would be easier or there would be more perks or there, you know, would be something different than what they're facing. Just encourage us, Lord, help us to keep on showing up. And we know that you're faithful even when we're not. Help us to be faithful um, and obey even when we're disappointed and we just don't see the way that you're leading. In Jesus name. Amen.